What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show. You know, today's interview is going to be awesome. Another amazing uh, sports figure. We got a professional basketball player joining the show who is going to be speaking about his basketball career as well as the mental health side of things, some of the struggles that he's gone through. We're going to get deep into this discussion again. As you guys have seen, this has become kind of a, a theme in the last couple of episodes because I wanted to bring awareness to this on the show, utilize this platform so you guys can learn more about this, the struggles that these athletes, that these human beings are going through, and some of the advice that they would give to us as 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 human beings on you know how we can see those signs um, and how we can help other people that are struggling with these same issues. So you do not want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. A couple of housekeeping items as we get started with today's episode is uh, make sure you're following me on all my social media platforms. Uh, we're trying to build those out slowly. We've been doing the show for five years. For those who don't know, the reason my social media picked up a little bit later than the actual podcast was because I didn't actually start those when the podcast started. So we've always just trying to, been trying to build those. But I uh, do want to give a massive shout out to all the listeners out there. If you guys are listening to this, um, on an Apple device, it would be awesome if you guys could leave me a review um, and help this get out to more and more people. The more reviews we get on Apple Podcasts, the more people get to hear the show. We're now in 94 countries, over 79,000 downloads, and we're continuing to move forward and uh, get these stories out to more and more people. So joining me today, it's going to be a very special interview. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Coach Jeff Sainer once again for another connection um, and, and helping me find some amazing guests for the show. But uh, our guest today is pl playing professional basketball, uh, but has a story that's even deeper than basketball. And we're going to get to know him more. His name's Trey Moses. So, Trey, thanks so much for joining the show and being willing to, to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Absolutely, brother. Um, so I want to rewind the clock a little bit, Trey, and, and kind of get to know you as a basketball player um, and when that all started. So your passion for sports, when was the first time you picked up a basketball, if you can remember? Uh, I was young. <laughs> I feel like my dad just kind of put me into all sports when I was young. And um, I kind of stuck with basketball and football. And then going into my freshman year of high school is when I just kind of decided to specialize in basketball. Do you feel um, do you feel it's necessary for athletes, if they, especially basketball players? And, and the reason I ask this is because I coach club basketball. We actually leave to Las Vegas tomorrow for a tournament. Um, do you feel it's necessary for athletes in the, especially in the sport of basketball to specialize earlier, like a freshman year in high school, like to, to specialize in one sport, or do you think that being a multi-sport athlete can still be beneficial and you can still make it where you want to make it if you, if you compete in multiple? Um, you know, I think it's tough. I think that um, playing multiple sports growing up is very important. And then kind of specializing once you get to, Kind of once you figure out what you want to do so if you want to you know take a chance and play at the college level then maybe specializing in it but you know i know a lot of football guys 
uh, play football and then run track as well, which uh, track only helps in football. Um, so I think it's just, you know, basketball guys do as well. But I think it's just kind of, um, you know, based on what you want. I think that it does help, though. Uh, I don't think it, you know, hurts you by any means. Totally. Now, coming up in the the basketball world in, in your high school career, obviously you you ended up going Division One playing for Ball State. So, like, I, I kind of want to know the basketball side of things from high school. Um, did you play club ball as well? Like, when did you know, Trey, that you were going to be able to compete at the next level going Division One, at least playing college basketball of some sort? And what was the work that had to be put in to be able to get to that level? Um, I think for me, like, I had a pretty weird story. So my freshman year, I broke my femur. Oh, wow. Um, How'd that happen? And uh, playing basketball. Oh, shoot. Okay. Go figure. Yeah. And so I was 6'3 at the time. Um, and the doctor said that, you know, it was definitely like a clean break and it was along my growth plate. So I probably wouldn't grow. And obviously I ended up growing six inches after that. Um, but, um, you know, it wasn't until, you know, really I got my first offer, which was going into my senior year that summer. Um, I got 12 division one offers from july to august i just had a you know pretty solid uh month of aau and um you know there was a lot of doubt leading up to you know that month of you know will i get the chance because i didn't even have <clears throat> like any offers before that so like division two division three and i had nothing um wow. and so for me to kind of go from nothing to 12 division one offers it was kind of um definitely a blessing um, and so then from there, I kind of, um, picked my final five, um, and I ended up signing before, uh, my senior year. That's wild. Okay. So you, you, you go from nothing, basically not having any offers at any level for that matter to having 12, you mentioned having a pretty solid month, a pretty solid summer of AAU. Um, and that's another, a, a, another touch point I want to bring up here is the whole club slash AAU basketball scene. If done properly, I do feel it's super beneficial for some kids. If, if it's the right situation, right. If they're putting them in the right tournaments and they're actually working on their skill development and whatnot. Um, talk to us about your AAU experience, because a lot of people don't realize the difference between AAU and just normal high school basketball, but for you, it obviously helped in that regard, as far as exposure and, and, and whatnot. So talk to us about your overall AAU experience. Was it a positive one for you outside of just the 12 offers that came through from it? And, uh, what would you say to any of the kids that are, you know, wondering, Hey, should I play AAU basketball on top of playing high school basketball? Um, for me, it was definitely like a positive experience. I loved every, you know, kind of second of it, um, getting to travel the country, getting to play against some of the best players in, you know, in, you know, my age in the country, you know, I played against Bam Adebayo. Oh, wow. Um, you know, there was a couple other players, big time players I played against, but, you know, you, I look back and, you know, now he's in the NBA. So just getting the opportunity, uh, to play against players like that, get exposure, play in front of college coaches. Um, because, you know, for me, my dream school was Wisconsin. Um, and so I got to play against, or I got to play in front of them one time and, you know, I had a solid game and, you know, it was just, a, it's, for me, it's like a memory I won't forget, like being able to play in front of a school that you really wanted to go to, even though I didn't go there, you know, it doesn't make or break me, but, um, getting the opportunity to play again or play in front of, um, you know, 
high level coaches, high level schools, um, and just just to show what I can do um, was definitely a blessing. And then, you know, all it takes is one coach to give you a chance, um, whether it at any level. Um, so if you have aspirations of playing college basketball, I think that, you know, A, he was the best thing to do um, to give yourself a chance to play at the next level. I love that. All it takes is one coach to give you a chance. You know, I'm out here in Idaho, if anyone even knows where that's at. <laughs> but, you know, we have a lot of talented athletes out here. It's, it's weird because we have super good athletes, but college coaches aren't just like, busting to get out here you know they're they're going to be going to the other places first they're not going to be coming to watch you in your high schools around here unfortunately even though we do have some talented athletes so that's where i feel like aau can be beneficial you can get those experiences to go out and play against some better competition not only up your game but you know you never know who's watching and all it takes is like you said one coach to give you a chance i think that's super cool you know um for you going into college i'm gonna focus right now on the basketball side of things but there's a deeper conversation i want to re rewind to here in just a little bit as well to kind of get deeper into that because there's two pieces to this interview the basketball side and then also the mental health side of things but uh the the transition going from your high school to college in regards to not only like the the pace of the game and just like this overall skill set and the demands of it I guess what what was the transition like becoming a student athlete in college compared to that in high school and what were you know I guess was there anything that surprised you when you got there like the grind and the hustle that you you might have been like whoa I thought I knew but I didn't know <laughs> uh I just think how hard working it is um you know it's um it's just a different type of grind um you know as the higher level you get the higher of a grind it, it gets to become um, so you, you know, I wasn't really lifting in high school and then, you know, my first summer we go to lifting five days a week. Um, and so it was, um, you know, it's, and it's not like you're just lifting, like you have lifting, you'll have cardio and then you're on court after that or on court before that. And then you follow it with lifting. So it was just like, um, getting used to just like, you know, our coach always said training like a pro. Um, and you know, and I like that analogy in terms of, you know, if you want to become a pro, you got to train like a pro and that's, you know, you know, two to three workouts a day, eating right, um, taking care of your body, doing the little things, um, extraordinarily well. Um, and I think that, um, probably how hard, not how hard you work, but you, you know, another thing my coach said was learning how to work hard. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of high school guys and, you know, non-athletes don't understand how truly hardworking being a student athlete, um, especially at the Division One level is, um, and the expectations that are kind of set out and, you know, you're wanting to win and wanting to perform well, um, but also understanding that, you know, you're here for a reason, and that's to help yourself get to the you know, next level if you do want to play pro. Totally. So if I was a high school athlete right now, which I have a, a lot of listeners that are either parents or younger athletes that are that pay attention, especially the basketball world, what would be the main difference that you would tell them like saying, Hey, like right now, like would it be the lifting weights or, or what would it be? Say, you know, if you want to play at the next level and you need to change something right now, what advice would you give them? 100% to start lifting weights. Um, I think I like that it. especially in basketball, the lifting weights aspect is becoming bigger than ever. 
Um, you know, you're seeing, you know, back in Jordan's era, he was kind of the first one to start lifting. And, you know, it's kind of uh, gradually increased as time's gone on. But, you know, you're seeing guys lift before games in, uh, in the NBA. You're seeing guys lift before games, after games. Um, I know for me in college, like, I did a light lift before games. Um, I think the lifting weight aspect is important no matter your size. Um, getting physically stronger. Um, and then also from the mental aspect, it gets you stronger as well. I dig that. I hope those who are listening take notes on that. Like, if you're listening to this on your phone, rewind that real quick and realize like the weight room is where you need to be uh, and, and putting serious work into and understanding what that's like. I love that you had mentioned, you know, you're lifting five days a week, but that's like on top of practice. See, what, what I did in high school, which is weird. Like I even think back, I'm like, I thought I was working hard. I wasn't working hard. I wasn't working hard at all. Like I'd, I'd lift and then like, I'd be like, well, if I have practice today, I'm not going to lift today. So like, I'm not going to, and, and it was like, if I, I would only lift in fitness class at high school. So I'd be like, okay, well, good. We only have three days to lift this week. And like, I'm not going to lift very hard because I have practice this afternoon. Well, the reality is you're going to be running regardless. Like in the collegiate world, like you're going to be lifting, you're going to be running, you're going to be trying to recover and you might even have to run again and watch film. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So the earlier you can figure that out and just get in that routine, the less shocked I should say you'd probably be when you get to that next level, just like what you're saying, like it's, that's part of the grind. Um, now to that same point, Trey, after, after college basketball, you were playing the division one level and you played a lot. You, you have a lot of personal mm -hmm. accolades there with, with uh, ball state and whatnot, but the professional world, talk to us about, you know, where you're playing now and, and what the difference is now. Cause some people might look down on it and I don't mean that in a bad way. Cause I've, I, I love bringing on people but like that. They say, Oh, they're not in the NBA. They're not working that hard in the professional world. So I want you to tell us and educate us on the professional game outside of the NBA. What's the professional world looking like for you in basketball? What's the biggest transition from your D1 experience to now? Uh, I'm currently in Australia, um, but Australia is a little different uh, to where I have been. We only practice twice a week, so a lot of the work that um, I put in has to be on my own. Um, so currently, like, I'm lifting four days a week and getting shots up by myself, but you know, when I was in, you know, Portugal, Cyprus, um, we were practicing twice a day, um, every day, <laughs> wow. uh, for one game a week. And, it, uh, especially in Portugal, like later in the, in the year when we got a new coach, like our morning practices weren't just like come in and get shots up kind of thing as some places are like our morning practices were like legit practice. You're, we're going one-on-one, -on -one, two on two, three on three at, you know 10 a.m so like you have to get yourself ready for that um but i think you know a lot of the work that comes with being a professional comes in the off season um just as like you know many nba guys um not that nba practices are easy but it comes to a point in time of the season where nba guys are just getting up shots during their practice like they're they're rarely like super into it just because it's a long season you know 82 games you don't want to sit here and go five on five every day um so for me like i was working um nine to six and then i would have two workouts after work oh my gosh um so it's like like you have to sacrifice if you want to, if you want to be great, like it doesn't take just, you know, 
doing the bare minimum because there's a lot of guys who will do the bare minimum who will get passed up. And you, you look at the guys in front of you, um, and if you're doing the bare minimum, they'll always stay in front of you. Um, if you want to do, if you want to be great, you got kind of have to, um, you know, flip that switch and, and start doing the things that no one else is doing, um, doing the things that you know you're supposed to do. Um, not everyone wants to be great, though. Not everyone wants to become a pro. Not everyone, even if they become a pro, wants to stay a pro because um, the overseas life is, is can be tough. Um, and not everyone wants to do that. There's a lot of great players that I've seen play in college who just said, I'm good on the overseas aspect of things. And that's okay. Like, that's a decision they made. But if you want to be, you know, top 1% of the world, then you have to kind of do things that, you know, it takes to get there. So interesting, too. And then that that's a good point you just brought up that, like, there's probably so many athletes in, in, in the college world that say, Hey, you know, if I'm not going to make it to the biggest thing, which is quote unquote, the NBA or whatever it may be right for their, their respective sport, then that's just not them. They don't want to do it. And then, and they move on with their life and do their thing. And there are so many athletes that are out there that, that uh, we won't see you play at the professional level because of that. It, it's a, it's a different mm -hmm. style of life. I think that's crazy. So I'm, I'm glad you shared some insight there. I've had a couple of guys, uh, Justinian Jessup. He was a, Boise State alum who actually played over in Australia. He was drafted to the Warriors and was playing in Australia this last year. And, you know, he was talking about similar things over there in the, in the leagues and, and, and how things function. And obviously we know that, you know, LaMelo Ball went over there, was playing in Australia for a year uh, right out of high school. So he was getting his experience there. There are some good hoopers there. So I, I would just like to know from your experience, Trey, um, playing overseas and even now in Australia, who's the best basketball player you've played in the professional world that people need to know about oh, um i played against uh quincy miller who was in the nba um you know he was a he's a different type of athlete um uh, dominic pointer um who was i think in the nba or g league one of the two so i would say you know he he was kind of a different level of you know, he kind of did everything. Um, you know, I remember one game we were playing him and I'm out in Cyprus where I was before here. And, you know, he wasn't scoring and our, you know, that was our game plan was to stop him from scoring. But then you look up and he has eight assists. <laughs> and so it, it's just like, you know, that's what, you know, that's what it takes being a good player is being able to impact the game in more than one way. Um, a lot of guys want to be 30 point per game scores, but you look around and, there's very few 30 points per game scores in the NBA. You know, you, you this year you have LeBron and Joel Embiid, and uh, I think Katie's right there too. But then, you know, there's very few. If you look at Trey Young, who's averaging probably 25 and 10. You know, that's what it takes to, you know, be the next. Even LeBron, who's averaging 29, he's also averaging six or seven assists with it. Totally. Um, but that's what it takes to be. You know, a good player, not necessarily at the NBA level, but, you know, professional level, college level, high school player is being able to impact the game in more than one way. And I think that's important for guys to understand is you don't have to score to be able to be on the floor. You just got to do the little things. I am so glad you said that. I am so glad you said that because I want <laughs> all of the players I coach and anyone who listens to this to pay attention to that specific piece right there. Like, 
you can impact the game in so many ways, just like you were talking about those guys. Like they, they can impact the game in a lot of ways, a lot of ways outside of just putting the ball in the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in fact, whenever I've played guys, like anybody who can, who's a well-rounded player who can do the, all the little things, they are so much tougher to defend or you have to be on the lookout for everything that they're doing. They're, they're powerful that way. So glad you shared that. Now, Trey, this is the, the, the part here that I kind of want to transition to is the deeper side of this, this conversation. And that's what I kind of alluded to here at the beginning. We're going to kind of unpack a few things because as you were discussing your basketball career, you know, a lot of people, just the general person, right? A general listener who, whatever might the casual listener, casual fan, they'll hear about it and be like, oh, well, Trey Moses sounds like the, you know, the typical guy who goes, plays high school ball, AAU, goes to college, goes and plays professional. You know, life is great. Um, and that happens a lot, especially with athletes. I think people like look at them and just say, oh, well, you know, they, they're living the life. There's no struggles. Or if they are, there's very little struggles. But um, after reading your story and learning your story, that's where I wanted you to share your stories because that's not the case. Um, you've been battling uh, a lot of stuff your, your whole life. And I think it's important for us to know just recently on the show, I had Delvion Jackson, who is a um, college basketball player right now in the United States, who is, you know, had attempted to take his own life at one point at UC Davis. And he opened up about his story. Um, and I've talked to a couple of sports psychologists on my show to kind of talk about that aspect of it. So this is why I think it's super important to bring this up. You know, you were battling mental health, um, even from a young age. So do you mind kind of explaining when you first started feeling anxiety and depression and, and, you know, like what age was that? I guess I should say, Trey. Uh, for me, it was seventh grade. So I was probably 12. Um, I kind of just remember for the first time, just like, um, I actually wrote it in a note to one of my friends, just basically saying like, I didn't want to be alive. And, um, I think for me, it was, you know, it was tough because it was like, we weren't mental health wasn't talked about. So I had no idea what depression anxiety was. Um, I didn't really know until I got to college my freshman year. Um, but it was tough because, you know, I, I'm at a good school. I have good friends, both my parents, you know, playing basketball, um, but it was just like not understanding why I felt the way I did. Um, so it was, uh, so it was kind of tough for me. Yeah. So that, see, that's, what's interesting is you just mentioned something that's very, and, and I've battled with it myself. That's why I, I, I relate. You come from a good home. You got good, like the outside looking in, people would be like, oh, well, whatever. And you yourself even start to question that. Like, why am I feeling like that? Like mm-hmm. I'm blessed in a lot of ways. Uh, I have got everything that you would ask that you need to be able to live a, a healthy life in, in this world. But for some reason I'm feeling these feelings and that started for you in the seventh grade. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it starts to, to hit them in at younger ages now, because you're dealing with social media, you're dealing with a lot of things that maybe some people didn't have to deal with 15 years ago, myself included, like 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when I graduated high school, I didn't have all that stuff yet. Um, but now it's starting to hit younger ages because they're starting to become, I guess, uh, they're just, they're learning more and more about the world at a younger age. So mm-hmm. when you're dealing with this Trey and you're, you're, you're going through school, um, even in high school. So you, we'll get into your college stuff and when things kind of took a, a turn for the worst for you, but in high school, going through the high school world, you, you know, you're playing basketball, you're having a good time. You got your friends. How did you put a face on? How did you get through things 
battling this, all, all those emotions and so forth when, and still trying to compete at a high level and put a smile on your face every day? Uh, I think it was tough because like, you know, like I said, I didn't really know what I was going through, but I was still like going through it. I think, um, kind of in the later part of my high school careers when I started to self-harm. <clears throat> and so it was, um, you know, no one knew. Uh, so it was kind of for me, like, not that I guess I was hiding it, but I was kind of hiding it because of the fact that it was like, I didn't feel normal. Like I didn't, you know, no one talked about it. I didn't know what was, you know, my thoughts if other people had them or not. Like I was um, kind of just hiding the fact that like, I didn't know how the world in a sense would react. Totally. When you mentioned self-harm, what do you mean by self-harm and why did, why did you go to that extent of, of self-harming? Cause we hear that a lot, a lot of, a lot of young people, even older, older people that are dealing with mental health problems, depression, anxiety, and all the other stuff. They, they mentioned the thing self-harm. Um, and, and what I think a common question is, is why. And I think uh, after reading your story, you actually gave a valid reason as to why. That's why I wanted to ask you this. Um, why, why self-harm and what does that even mean? Uh, so for me, um, I guess it's just like causing bodily harm in a sense. Uh, like, um, for me, it was just wanting to feel something other than what I was feeling. So whether, not whether, but it was like physical pain, uh, to hopefully get my mind off of, you know, the thoughts racing, what's going on in life and, um, whether it helped or didn't help, um, is a different question, but I think that um for me that was the mindset behind it it wasn't to you know self-harm to take my life but it was self-harm to just kind of get my mind off of everything else yeah i feel something different essentially is like what you were saying and i think that's very common i want parents who are listening to this too to understand like when you hear of this happening with kids or if you're a teacher or something you hear about this stuff i think what you mentioned trey is it's a huge piece of that it's like feeling this like physical pain to take away the emotional pain that you're, you're, you're feeling, you want to feel anything but that. And so the, the physical pain, especially if it's pretty severe can, uh, take that away for a split moment, right? It's, it takes it away for a second. And I think that's where they get the, the those who are struggling, get the satisfaction of the gratification from doing it. But, um, like you said, whether or not it helps is a whole nother question, but in the moment it kind of takes you away for a second, you get into your, your college years, you mentioned that's when you started to really realize like what was going on. Um, talk to us about that. And when things started kind of taking a dive um, for, for worse, because in, in the meantime, all this stuff you're struggling with. Remember, I want to remind everybody the first half of this interview, we were talking about your high school basketball career, your college basketball career. You're now playing professional basketball. You're playing, you're competing in sports and you're doing so at a high level. So like you're still doing the day-to-day -day things. The world didn't just stop. So you're battling mm -hmm. these things while you're doing all the other things. So I want people to remember that as we're discussing that. So as you get into college, talk to us about your college experience and, and, and when things started taking a turn. Um, for me, I, you know, that first week on campus, we had a, uh, like someone from the counseling center come in and give us uh, incoming student athletes, a like questionnaire about mental health. And I filled it out, honestly, kind of not thinking anything about it. Um, and then I remember her calling me in the next week to kind of talk about everything with me. 
And that was my first taste of counseling. Um, and then over that year, I continued to meet with her once a week. And then I ended up getting um, like diagnosis having severe depression. Um, so for me, like that was the first time I'd ever heard the word depression. Um, so it was kind of like wild to go from seventh grade up until my freshman year of college, not knowing what I was going through. Um, and so then after, uh, you know, I was hospitalized my freshman year for just twice my freshman year, not feeling safe. Um, and then my sophomore year, I tried to take my life. And then um, the second day of my junior year, my best friend um, and teammate took his own life and um, I found his body. Um, so the night before was my birthday party and um, he told me bye, I love you, gave him a hug and he left. And so the last uh, two times I saw my best friend were um, after he took his own life in, in a casket. Um, so I think that you know, I say all of this, um, and obviously it's tough to deal with, but I've always said like, I'm, you know, glad it was me and, and no one else because, you know, I know what it, you know, I know how hard it's been to kind of go through that journey. You know, there's a lot to unbox there and I would encourage anybody. I I mean, your story is out there. You've, you've uh, published it. I, I found it on Twitter as well. Like you had it pen there and you can kind of go into detail there like listening or sorry uh reading the story that happened to zach and and everything that went down um which is the teammate you just alluded to uh if i'm not mistaken it was zach right yeah 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 um but i want to kind of ask you this question i asked this to delvey on jackson a couple weeks back uh because you kind of you went over it and said hey you try to take your own life at some point and i'm sure listeners are going to be like hey hold up i want to i want to hear about that too um there's a couple things I just want to know, you know, an athlete, division one athlete, things are happy go lucky. What, and what, it's one thing to talk about mm -hmm. wanting to take your own life, but it's another thing to actually act upon it and, and try and do it. And that's where it takes a whole, that, that means somebody has taken the next steps to actually do that. Um, and that's where I think people wonder, like, how does one get to that point to actually act on those, those feelings that they're having. And so I just wanted to know, like from your perspective, so we can educate other people, you know, how, how badly were you hurting to where you actually took the actions to take your own life? Um, I mean, obviously like pretty badly, but it was just like, for me, like I, sh I, I know I'm not alone and I know that there's a lot of people that care about me. Um, but I know that deep down inside, like a lot of the times, like I do feel very alone. Um, and so in those moments that I have self-harmed or, you know, wanted to take my own life, it's just like, I'm there and I just think more and more about everything, about how I'm feeling that no one would care, um, that, you know, I'm, I am alone that this is the best decision. This is the best way out. There's no other way to ever get better. Um, and obviously it's, um, it's a tough, you know, in a sense, pill to swallow, 
to feel that way and to have these thoughts and to, you know, to think they're true. Um, but I just know that in those moments, like it's hard for me to believe anything else other than what, in a sense, the devil is telling me. Totally understand that. I, I can relate in a lot of ways and I appreciate you actually opening up and sharing that. It's, it's uh it's a super sad situation that there's a lot of people struggling the whole the phrase that you mentioned about you know you're not alone but you oftentimes like you'll feel alone i can specifically relate to that uh when i was going through a divorce back in 2013 and i remember specifically telling my friend like he had reached out he was doing a lot of things to help me out because he knew i was in a complete dark space mentally spiritually physically everything and he had reached out and and i remember telling him i was like man i i i i don't want to be alone but I also don't feel like being around anybody. It's a weird thing to explain, but like right now I just, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I have the support, even though all of my friends and family are supporting me. I just feel like alone, but at the same time, I don't want to be with anyone. I don't like the feeling of being alone, but I also don't want to go out and hang out with everybody. Cause I was in this weird funk. And uh, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people battling with that same type of emotional turmoil that they have to go through. Um, Trey, as you, you discussed, you know, you had gone through that and you came out on the other side of it, right? You, you came out on top mm-hmm. and, and you were working. And then obviously, as you mentioned, um, you, you dealt with the, the passing of your best friend and teammate. Do you, looking back, you know, you, you've experienced yourself, so you kind of understand some of the signs looking back. Do you see that there were any signs from your teammate, um, and, and the battling that, you know, he, the battles he was going through, or did he do a pretty good job of, of putting the face on and so people couldn't see it. Um, because I want to know if we can help the listeners be able to understand and, and see those signs so that they can uh, get the right help that's necessary. Uh, I mean, I think there's a combination of both. I, you know, the people closest to him kind of knew everything that was going on. Um, I, but I, I think at the same time, like he put up, you know, a good front to how serious it was that he was feeling. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just being there for your people, being a good human for people that you don't know. Um, you know, if a friend tells you they need you, then be there for them, um, regardless of what kind of your situation is. Um, just trying to be the best friend for your people that you can be, um, because at the end of the day, um, on earth, all we have is our people. Um, and some people, whether they're, you know, believers in Christ or not, like if they're not, you know, all all you have is people, uh, you don't, you know, really believe in a higher power. Um, and so like, you know, all you have is people, um, and it can be tough to, you know, feel like you're alone. So I think doing the best to be there for your people is important, uh, just because, you know, They'll never know the last time you'll talk to anyone. Um, you know, there could be, you know, tragedy happens all the time. You know, obviously you don't wish that to happen on anyone, but um, things happen all the time. It's not just someone taking their life. It's car wrecks. It's it's um, choking, whatever it is. Like, you know, stuff happens. It's, you know, the life we live that um, it's an unfortunate situation that things happen, but it's just taking advantage of the time um and the opportunities that you have with yourself and then with the people around you i really appreciate you sharing that that's 
that's big time. Be a good human being. That, it, that's what it boils down to, being a good human being and being there for your people. And I love how you mentioned that. I mean, for those who aren't believers, in reality, if you're not, then all you got is people. And that's the honest truth. And I love that you shared that because if you're not a believer in Christ, then you really need to be a good person because that's what you got here in your own mind. So, um, and even if you are a believer in Christ, do it exactly what he has always taught. And that is to love one another, right? Like that is, that's the mm -hmm. biggest thing is to love one another, uh, love thy neighbor. And, uh, you know, since that time, Trey, as you went through those traumatic experiences, not only with yourself, but then losing a best friend and a teammate, how has that shaped your life um, and, and the way you've gone about things? Um, and and, and another, another question is, do you still battle with these things, these mental health, um, you know, issues that you've had with depression and anxiety? And do you feel like you have the, the tools or you're better equipped with tools to, to kind of get over those? Like, how has this shaped your life since then? Uh, I think that I very much still deal with it. Um, you know, I think that for me, I've been in Australia a little over a month and it's been a kind of a tough month mentally, um, from the basketball standpoint and off the court, uh, just kind of, you know, battling a lot of different things. Um, and so for me, I just, you know, lean on Christ, lean on my people, um, do things that I know will only benefit me. Um, so I think this week I started, um, like I set daily goals for myself, some meditation, praying, reading the Bible, all things that I know I should do, but really trying to hold myself accountable to that so I can kind of get out of this funk. Um, uh, but I think since Zach, I think that, you know, I've really taken an initiative to kind of, I've always been there for people. I've always been an advocate for mental health, but, you know, I do weekly polls on Instagram asking people how they are. Um, and all the people that vote on well, I go and check up on them. Um, you know, I feel like I ask people how they're, how they're doing pretty regularly. Um, you know, I, I really just am trying to be a light in other people's lives trying to just check on them you know a lot of there's some people who you know may not have a lot of friends not that you need a lot of friends to to be good but there's a lot of people that you know may not have a lot of friends that feel really alone so just just to try to show someone that they're cared about i think is important um you know I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is just trying to continuously check up on others. Um, no matter like what my situation is, just really trying to be there for other people. I think that's huge. But to that point, like you just said, Trey, I love that you're making your own daily goals because those daily goals kind of help you. Cause like it's, it's hard to pour from a, a glass that's half empty or a glass that's mm -hmm. empty, right? You gotta, you gotta fill your own cup to be able to pour from. And I think, sometimes what happens if you give, 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 yeah, it helps you. It can kind of help fill your cup, but sometimes it'll drain you sometimes. And, um, the fact that you're actually doing those daily goals, the meditation, the prayer, the reading of the Bible and the little things that you think you should be doing. Um, and you're sticking to those to kind of help fill up your own cup right now. I think that's huge. Cause you got to take care of yourself too. Um, and I'm just glad to see that you're still here hearing your story, like reading your story first was one thing, but now to actually talking to you and seeing you is another thing. And it's kind of, it made it more powerful and more real. 
um, which is why I'm grateful that you joined me because now I've seen like where you're at, you're playing professional basketball. Like that's a pretty big win in my eyes. The fact that you went through and you're still continuing to go through what you're going through, but you've been able to be here and now you're, you're helping other people. See, I'm a big believer in the Lord playing chess, not checkers. Like he is always moving things and it could be years ahead of time. Like, but he's putting you in the right places because eventually he'll, he'll call checkmate. Uh, but he's playing, mm -hmm. he's putting those strategically in place, putting people in our place, uh, in, in our lives for different reasons. And so I have a, now after speaking to you and knowing you, I have a big belief that you're here for a reason. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're here for a reason. You're helping bless people's lives. Now coming full circle, Trey Moses, basketball player, mental health advocate, um, one who who is, you know, still going through the struggles of depression and anxiety, but still, you know, trying to find the ways, the tools to, to get through that believer in Christ, everything with all of this together. What's next for Trey Moses? What, what What's next for you, man? What's the what's the goals that you have, whether it be in your basketball career or in your personal <laughs> life? What can we expect to see from Trey Moses moving forward, man? Uh, you know, I think that's a tough question. I think that I battle a lot inside my head of what I want next. Um, you know, I think my main goal is to focus on where I am now and that's Australia playing basketball and that's really trying to fall in love with the game again, um, and kind of be content, uh, where I am. Um, you know, I want to get into public speaking. I want to get into, you know, last year I was able to talk to three different division one men's teams. Uh, basketball um, and that was amazing um, so I'd like to get into kind of public speaking talking to teams uh, talking to schools whether it's you know high school college uh, or you know hopefully the professionally one day um, you know I'd like to write a book maybe one day um, I think there's just a lot of different avenues I can go to and I think the big thing that I'm trying to focus on right now also with staying content where I am is trying to figure out um my pathway in the mental health world on um where i want to go and where i want to be totally man i love the fact that you know you mentioned like living in the present you know you're you need to like you're you're going to be focused on being you know content and, and living in the present but you do still have some micro goals for moving forward um and i've got some connections i can make uh in regards to some of the mental health stuff uh Connection is the Cure is an organization that I work closely with. Um, that's an absolutely phenomenal organization. And then also Delvion Jackson is an athlete. He works with uh, Persevere Innovation. That's his company. Um, and The Hidden Opponent is another company out of California that uh, mm -hmm. they're working with mental health and, and whatnot. So I can get you in connection with some of those people, too, because they're all in the athletic world. And uh, yeah, I mean, I this is the cool thing about connecting, though. If you connect with people like yourself, like I hear like public speaking. You know, I, I, Walter Bond played in the NBA for a short period of time. Uh, Thurl Bailey played for the Utah Jazz, was 12 years in the NBA. I've got connections with all of those guys. I talk to those guys regularly. So I would love to try to help connect you with the right people because I think what you're doing, yeah, live in the present, but you got micro goals that, that will be stuff that you'll work towards moving forward. And, you know, it reminds me of a book. It's called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. It's weird because I think in this world that we live in, Trey, we we are always trying to do the next biggest thing. So when I asked that question, it was, I was I was glad that you answered the way you did because it's like, hold up, we're always going for the next thing, and that's great. It's great to have goals and ambitions, but we're so scared of being still and like being mm -hmm. in the moment, especially in the world with social media. And I think that does to go back and bring it full circle. I think that causes problems with the mental health side of things, especially at younger ages. Like I said before, I think all of that stuff, all the noise that's happening we're scared to be still because we're not comfortable being still. And the fact that you want to like 
hone in and focus on this right now. Fall in love with the game of basketball again. Do do what you're doing right now, I think, is a huge thing because the majority of human beings, as Ryan Holiday says in his book, that they, they struggle with that. It's a very big thing. So mm-hmm. with that being said, man, I just want to say thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I just want to ask one last question. Biggest life lesson you have learned through your career in basketball thus far? Uh, you get what you put in. Um, I think that, you know, not everyone is going to be able to make it to the NBA. You know, it's, there's very few, you know, it takes being an elite athlete um, also as well as being a very skilled basketball player to make it to the NBA. Um, having the right intangibles, the right size, the right, you know, wingspan. Um, but in terms of not only sport, but people, um, sports, your job, like you get in what you put out. If you're a good person to, you know, your, your people, they're typically going to be good to you too. If you work hard in basketball, so eventually the game will, will reward you. Um, if you work hard at your job, eventually your job will reward you. It's kind of just the way the world works. Um, but specifically in sport, you know, you, you shoot every day, you'll become a better shooter. Um, so I think it's just understanding that it's not always just about like working hard. Like you have to work smart too. Um, but it's, you know, doing the little things every single day that, um, will eventually add up and, and help you to see rewards that you want to see. You get what you, and you may not, and you may not get your rewards. Like you may not ever get what you put in. Um, but that's not why you put in the hard work. You put in the hard work just to get better. I love that. That last little tidbit's very true, too. You can put in all the hard work you want, and it's not necessarily fair. But you do that, and you learn along the way in the journey. Mm-hmm. But I love that you said you get what you put in. Because it is. It's That's the congruencies between sports and life. It, it's it, Like you just said, you got the basketball side of things. You got the real life side of things. And that's why I love sports. Because there's parallels between sports and life and you can learn a lot of life lessons through it so i I dig that trey moses ladies and gentlemen thank you so much brother for joining us man i just really appreciate your time and uh you got a friend in me now man so you got my number if you ever need me you give me a call all right brother yep thank you appreciate you man take care and for all those listening we'll be coming to you next week with another interview Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.